Are you a real estate investor looking to elevate your income, freedom, and lifestyle? If so, optimize your daily performance by downloading our free guide, Raising the Bar, Five Steps to Elevate Your Habits at elevatepod.com. In this guide created by yours truly, you'll learn why you do what you do, how to easily institute cues in your environment to trigger desired behavior, directly applicable steps to create a fulfilling future, and much more. Get your free copy now at elevatepod.com and kickstart your new habits today. Your future self will thank you. Welcome to Elevate, the masterclass where we dissect the elements of exceptional achievement and lifestyle design with a focus on personal growth and real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Tyler Chesser. Elevate Nation, welcome back. This is Tyler Chester. I'm so thankful to have you here. And I am blessed and grateful to be sitting down with my friend Shane Garza today. Today, you're going to learn about hitting rock bottom and bouncing back, making the choice instead of being a victim to being a victor on the way to victory, creating systems, processes, tools, and creating amazing, you know, really a, a lifestyle through real estate. And Today is the day, and I'm so excited about this. I'm so excited to introduce you to my friend, Shane Garza, and connect you to his story. You know, he's had a very challenging upbringing and background, but he did not choose to let that define him. And we all have challenges in our life. We all have tribulations. We all have tough things. That is a part of the human condition. Some of us have tougher experiences than others, um, but there's no question that it comes down to the choices that we make from there, right? It's not about what happens to us. It's the way that we react. And uh, today's a great example of reacting in a positive way, in a way that uh, gives us the ability of choosing and creating our future. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited about this episode. Elevate Podcast is all about mindset, mind expansion, and personal development for high-performing real estate investors. I'm your host, Tyler Chesser, and I'm a high-performance coach and professional real estate investor. It is my job to decode the stories, habits, and multifaceted expertise of world-class investors and other experts so that you can elevate your performance and lifestyle. Are you ready to take it to another level? It is time. Let's raise the bar today. And I want to thank you so much for being here. If it's your first time listening to Elevate, thank you. You are welcome here. And uh, this is the place where you're going to receive massive value. You're going to take your business, your life, your mindset, your finances, um, your energy, your fulfillment to the next level. I know that's a big task, but this is the place for you. If you've been here before one time, many times, welcome back. You are part of Elevate Nation. We're so thankful to share this community with you. This is a movement and I'm so thankful for you. I wanna ask you to pay the fee. The fee is to pay it forward. Share this episode with a friend. Share this episode with one other person. That's all you have to do. Just grab the link, uh, send in a text message, an email, direct message on social media, or even post it on social media. And guess what? You can check the box. You have paid the fee. And also wanna invite you to give us a rating, review, and subscribe or follow Elevate Podcasts on wherever it is that you listen or watch podcasts. The ratings and reviews are so important to us. They're so important to us. And this is a movement. And with that, you give other people to, uh, an opportunity to join this movement. You give us the opportunity, by the way, as well, of continuing to bring on amazing guests and to bring you phenomenal content. And uh, my team is so thankful from the bottom of our heart. We just thank you. I thank you. We read every single review and we appreciate every single intro introduction. And with that said, I want to introduce you 
to Shane Garza, who is originally from Texas and moved to Louisville area in his teens. He's ambitious and always ready to serve. Shane also worked his way from being a quality supervisor at an auto supplier to a full-time real estate investor. He is currently a residential buy and hold, fix and flip, and he is also the host of the Think and Grow Rich Mastermind, and he's also a creative solutions specialist. Shane Adams Real Estate is an active market participant in Louisville, Kentucky, Southern Indiana, Indianapolis, and Fort Myers, Florida. He studied finance at the University of Louisville and is married with one child. And there's so much more, but you're going to learn about his amazing story and uh, the trajectory that he's on. And I want to invite you to be inspired, but also be willing and ready to learn because there's so much that Shane has committed to in the development of his business that I think you're going to find enlightening, exciting, and instructive. So without further ado, please enjoy this amazing conversation with Shane Garza. Shane Garza, welcome to Elevate, my friend. How are you? Uh, doing well. Doing well. Man, we got to get you doing better than well. I know I have a feeling you're much better than well. You're just being a little shy for me right now. What do you think? Well, no, uh, I mean, obviously, this is one of the things uh, I think for me is a growth uh, move. You know, I, I, I really, really want to step outside of my comfort zone. It's funny because I'm very outgoing. I'm very outspoken, but I hate public speaking, you know, and I, I hate getting in front of crowds. But I know, you know, uh, like we've talked about often is just, uh, you know, to step outside of your comfort zone. It's what's going to take you to the next level. So. Yeah. And I appreciate that about you. And I think that's a, it's a great um, thing to share, you know, that you don't really enjoy public speaking. In fact, it's interesting to note that, you know, that's the number one fear that people have today is, is speaking in public and, you know, it can be very nerve wracking in many different ways. And sometimes it's, it's a clue into our psychology in terms of, well, what's actually happening in there and why, what's the story behind that story. So I'm just endlessly fascinated with that, but I just appreciate your growth mindset. I appreciate your willingness to join me today and, and share your story and and also share just the way that you look at things, the way you look at real estate, the way you look at purpose, fulfillment, growth, all that good stuff, man. But it's been a pleasure to really get to know you so much better uh, over the past couple of years, just you know, working together in a coaching relationship, but seeing you flourish as a business owner, as an investor yourself. But man, I want to introduce you to Elevate Nation. So uh, as we dive into this conversation, as you know, uh, one of the things that I love to do is to ask my guests to describe themselves in the way that other people that know them best would describe them. So if you uh, wouldn't mind, give us a sense of how people that know you best would describe you, Shane. Yeah, I'd say... Uh... Well, I'd like to think, you know, that most people see me as a, a go-getter, you know, somebody who's going to uh, be resourceful rather than, you know, always have the resources. And I, I think that's um, what's allowed me to get to this point today. I'm also, uh, I probably have a higher risk tolerance than most, but, you know, um, at this point in my career and my business, I think it's the, the time to take those, you know, to take those steps to try to get us to the next uh, level. I definitely uh, am very faith driven and contribution is definitely a big part of my life. And so, um, you know, again, like we were just talking about I, I setting, doing the things now that are going to get me to that point here in five or 10 years to where I can really focus on that, you know, part of my life is something that's exciting. So hopefully that's what other people see when they, you know, when they see me or talk about me and 
you know, we'll see. So I think that uh, one of the things that I've learned about you deeply, um, especially over the past year is just how heart centered you are. Like you, you're, you're definitely faith driven, but you're doing this for the right reason, man. You're, you're growing a business, you're growing a company, you're leading other people. And I think I'm seeing a lot of fulfillment from you, but, um, you know, as a result of all that, but I think it's amazing just, you know, seeing great people succeed, which is, uh, it's a lot of fun, man. So I just wanted to, to share that with you and, 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 you know, from the bottom of my heart, but with all that said, man, uh, give Elevate Nation a sense of your upbringing, a little bit of your backstory. I think it's a, a fascinating and inspiring uh, story. You know, you've had some triumphs and tribulations, but give us a sense of where you came from, what life was like growing up, and, um, you know, connect connect the dots for us a little bit, Shane. Yeah, so um, I, I didn't uh, have the best upbringing. Um, you know, I had five siblings, I have four brothers, one sister. Um originally from Houston and, you know, at a young age, you know, we had, uh, uh, my father kind of wasn't in the picture. And then we had my stepdad who came into the picture and, uh, both of those guys were, you know, somewhat abusive, uh, around the age of 14, I, uh, was put in a children's home, uh, and lived there for a few years, um, almost until I was 18, I was 17 and then moved up here to this area. Um, and, you know, part of the reason I came up here was because my, my mom's mom had gotten sick. And so my mom moved up here. She actually ended up splitting, uh, uh, splitting up with, uh, my stepdad and who at that time was, you know, him and I had a, a very bad relationship. And so I think my mom, you know, saw that, Hey, I had gotten past that. And then I was able to, to move back, you know, with her up here, but she had to take care of her mom, you know, who lived up here in Indiana, um, and, uh, you know, give a little more context both my parents ended up passing away, uh, from drug overdose. And, um, you know, that's one of the things too, uh, it's, it's, it's odd to me, or it's, it, you know, when I see people that have parents that have done something like that, you know, uh, I, I see them going, you know, one way or the other. Some kids are like, hey, I'm not going to do that at all. You know, I don't want anything to do with that lifestyle. And some people follow those footsteps. And um, I was definitely the the prodigal child, you know, who who made the, the wrong decisions, you know, early on. Uh, but I think it was because I just, uh, you know, looking back now, I think I just had like just such a victim mentality. You know, I, I thought that this was the you know, my lot in life. Right. And I think I was very resentful at a young age because, um, you know, I, I, I looked around and saw these families that just had, you know, this nuclear family unit that just looked so pleasant. And then, you know, you have this stuff going on at, at home. And so uh, with that said, I ended up getting in quite a bit of trouble. Uh, I, ended up, I went to UofL and uh, my junior year, um, you know, started getting into drugs and alcohol, probably partying too much. I was part of fraternity and that was like my, my focus, you know, I was just totally, you know, about that lifestyle. Um, and, and, and then ended up getting arrested, uh, and spent, uh, almost four years, uh, locked up. And I ended up getting out in May of 2016. Um, and, you know, for me, it was just, I'm so grateful for that. You know, I'm so, so grateful for just that opportunity. One of the things, probably about two years into my stint, um, you know, I started doing a lot of reflecting and just saying, hey, man, this is, 
an opportunity like no other. You know, I, I literally genuinely had 24 hours a day to do nothing but focus on myself, better myself, you know, do the, do the things that are going to take me to that next level. And so uh, instead of looking around and, uh, you know, having that victim mentality and, and feeling sorry for myself, I was like, man, I can actually, you know, begin to add value to people and, and, and looked around and all these guys around me who just kind of were lost, right. They didn't have those mentors that, that influence in their life, you know, and, and, uh, you know, we're just kind of, uh, in my opinion, boys pretending to be men, you know, a lot of them. Um, and so, you know, that, that last two years, I really just became very well read, um, you know, on, uh, worldviews looked at why, you know, I believe the things that I believe and, you know, really dove into my faith. And, uh, you know, after I got out, I had, you know, a pair of orange shorts, shower shoes and a white T-shirt. Uh, I ended up uh, I was on home incarceration program at a halfway house and uh, didn't have my license and uh, had to either. I was paying a, a buddy of mine like five bucks, you know, per ride to get to work. And then I would take the bus. I had a bus ticket. Um, and, and to me, it was just a, a humbling process. Cause I just think, you know, growing up, I felt like I deserved more than this, but whenever you're, you know, walking a couple of miles to the bus stop and then going to work and it's like, you know, I have nothing at all to sit here and be flashy about. Right. And so, and, and I was just grateful. I, you know, I started working 12 hour days, working 60, 80 hours a week and just putting my head down and was like, look, I'm going to do what I need to do, you know, to, to get to that that next that next level and so uh fast forward um uh, you know to today and you know we did over a million dollars in business last year for the first time and yeah man and it's just been it's been amazing you know i i've uh my story has allowed me to impact others and kind of share that strength with people and you know and it also keeps me very grounded you know i i never uh have been big on materials, you know, not a big material guy. And I think, you know, just contributing and sharing that strength and hope with people has just been very fulfilling. So, man, uh, thank you for that story. And, and, uh, I'm just grateful for it because I know that many people go through challenges, you know, tribulations in life. I mean, I think that's kind of the, the theme of most human beings lives is that we have challenges, some more extreme than others. And, um, appreciate you sharing just kind of the, you know, backstory of, you know, not only just kind of growing up with your family, but some of the things that you went through as an early adult. Um, I'd actually be curious. I mean, you mentioned one thing when you were in jail, it's like, I mean, you, you realize this time where it's like, man, I'm grateful that I have 24 hours a day. I can work on myself. I would imagine that it's really easy to be on the flip side of that, to be, you know, I'm the victim, you know, society is set up to, uh, you know, to alienate people like me. And because of that, I'm going to be resentful. And I'm going to be this, you know, this horrible individual is somebody who's, you know, creating more havoc, right? I'm just going right. to create more chaos in, you know, in this world. So like, what was the switch? And like, were you kind of, did you consciously make that decision? Or how did you make that decision? So it was, uh, it was actually uh, about two years and two months, and I know this sounds silly, but about eight days into my stay, because I remember the moment. Um, I was actually laying in my, my rack, this metal rack, and I, I was, you know, I, I, I got into, I mean, I grew up in the church, right? And, 
you know, this gave me, I, I started reading the Bible when I was in there and I was like, look, I'm going to come at this as a skeptic, right? I'm going to look at everything, uh, you know, and, and not try to be biased one way or another. And what it was is at that point, you know, I, I just continued to read and I saw, you know, how much this stuff tied into history and, and really just, you know, decided to put all of my eggs in one basket and I just sat there and prayed and I looked at and I was just bawling, dude. I was, I was crying my eyes out and uh, just telling God how grateful I was. I was so grateful. And, and, you know, I look back at that moment because I had nothing, you know, I had nothing at all. And the amount of gratitude and just, you know, I had at, at that time to where I'm just sitting there in jail crying and, and, and just thanking God uh, just really was just that epiphany, that moving experience that just kind of completely churned me around. And like I said, I, I, you know, you go out and you see all these guys, you know, um, um, who are locked up with you and, you know, instead of, you know, looking around and, and, and just saying, man, I don't, I don't want to be like you. I don't want to be around these type of people. I was like, man, this is actually, uh, uh, what's the, the analogy, you know, it's like a, a, a garden, right? It's my job to sow. It's my job to go out there and plant seeds and, and to uh, really just pour into people and share that, that, that experience. So, so was that more, do you think that that was almost like a rock bottom type of experience? And then you almost kind of bounced up from that. You mentioned the gratitude. Yeah. See, and that's, a, that's a good question because, you know, uh, I guess there's so many different rock bottoms. I mean, how, you know, somebody's rock bottom can be way up here, you know, and, and you know, yours can be there, but it's just such a, yeah, it's such a mindset shift. You know, I think that's the whole, it, it was like something just clicked and it was like, just completely changed my perspective. And, and I, I think now, you know, that perspective is, is what grounds me for everything that I look at in life today. Right. Mm -hmm. So when you started mentoring others and, and simultaneously you were working on yourself, right? You, you mentioned reading and kind of uh, being a skeptic, not only from a religious standpoint, but also a worldview standpoint and just questioning your thoughts, right? Give me a sense of both of those things. I mean, how were you investing in yourself during this time? And then how are you also, you know, being a mentor for others around you? What did that actually look like? Yeah, so there was, um, you know, I, I remember one time there was a, uh, a guy named Dustin and he had been in there for about two and a half years and he was a younger, younger kid and he was about to get out and we had become close over the past couple of years, you know, and, and just the conversations of like, Hey man, look, it's up to us to, to really choose this identity, to not identify as, Hey, I'm an outcast from society. I'm a felon now. I'm this guy, you know, whatever it may be. Um, you know, it's up to you to, to, to own that path. And he came to me the day before he was getting out and he was just crying because he's like, man, I really, I just don't want to go home. He's like, you know, when I go home, he's like, my parent, my dad, you know, they're still getting high. He's like, and I'm going to have to be around that. As soon as I get back to the house, you know, they're going to want to go get high and go do this. And, you know, and, and to me, I felt, you know, gratitude for myself. Cause I was like, man, when I get out, I'm not, I, I'm going to avoid, I don't have that situation. You know, I, I feel like I had uh, good parents, you know, despite their own, their own issues. But uh, you know, I, I think just seeing that and, and people, um, you know, having those experience uh, is what allowed me to be grateful for, for mine, you know, if that, if that makes sense. 
So it sounds like you were really just seeing people for who they were and what they were and what circumstances they were going through in jail and, and offering a bit of, you know, a little bit of a, a lending an ear and, and just kind of helping people make that decision themselves. Right, right. Yeah. Cause you just, just listening, man, it's just goes, uh, you know, there's so many different stories and people, um, you know, there's everyone wants to express themselves. Everybody wants to be heard. And, you know, the, the most common theme I saw in there was about 96% of those guys didn't have their father in their life. You know, they didn't have that mentor. And, and so that was something I told myself was like, Hey, when I, you know, become a father, you know, I'm going to, you know, be, you know, the complete opposite of, right. Of, of, of this, uh, this guy I am today. So, well, uh, full, full circle now as a father, um, obviously, uh, your son is even there with you today. Uh, not, not on, not on camera here, but, uh, big shout out to you, man. That's, that's an amazing full circle experience, but in terms of that time, and I do want to move beyond that time here shortly, but I think it's instructive. I'm just curious, you made that decision. I think it's just so powerful again, that you made the decision instead of being a victim, you were now going to choose to be a victor on the way to victory. And obviously you're, you're showing that in such an amazing way today, which is, it's so inspiring. But during that time, and you were like, you know what, I'm not going to be this victim, I'm going to use this time and be grateful, and to pour into myself, because I know that I have this limitless resourcefulness, you mentioned that in the beginning of our discussion today. What did that look like? I mean, was it reading journaling? Yeah, um, so, give me a sense of what that looked like. So it was definitely uh, both. Um, you know, I, I uh, just had books after books sent into me to where I was just reading every day. And, you know, it was about a lot of it early on was about uh, first century Rome and, you know, what was going on at, th at that time. Uh, and then it, it geared more towards, especially towards the end of my, my stay. Um, it was like, okay, well, what, what do I want to be once I get out of here? So I did start reading about real estate, started reading a whole lot about that uh, and taking notes. I think the very first book I, I read was some called like maybe the millionaire next door. And then obviously I read the Richard Kiyosaki books and started, uh, you know, and, and getting a sense of, Hey man, I can, I can actually do this. And I think you and I've discussed this before, but you know, uh, 80% of being a millionaire is psychology, right? Just knowing and believing and thinking that you can. And so, uh, I, I just really started, I put together a budget, you know, for myself and I put together, uh, I have a whole, I still have it at home, a whole spiral. And I had wrote down all these things, I had one page that was like 10 reasons why I never want to come back here again. You know, there's stuff, stuff like that. Or that, and then I wrote like a bucket list, like, here's the things that I want to do. You know, I want to, I want to accomplish. I want to be a deep sea fisherman. You know, I want to be doing this stuff. Right. And, and uh, you know, I look back at even the budget I had set and it was like a, a $400 budget a week, man. And, and, um, I look back now and again, it's just so easy to have that stuff in your hand and to have, you know, gratitude and just say, Hey man, look where I was to, to where I am today, because really I've just grown past the point of everything I had prayed for, you know, at that point. So, man, that's awesome. And, and it's like in the material world, like coming out of jail, you said you didn't have really anything. You had almost nothing. You had like a t-shirt and, and, you know, a pair of shorts and maybe some shoes, but you had this desire 
you had this belief in yourself and you recognize that um, resourcefulness would take you to that next step. And you also had this work ethic. I mean, you mentioned coming out and saying, you know what, I'm just going to do whatever it takes to succeed. It's, I'm going to do whatever it takes to not go back there and make these commitments to myself. But give me a sense of what did it look like coming out? And uh, obviously, you mentioned having a desire to get into real estate. So I'd love to get there as well. Well, the first concern, obviously, is, is you know, now I have a felony. Right. What do you, what do you, you know, that's something that's hard to an identity that's hard to shake, you know, because you feel like uh, even today, I've, I still feel like there's things that are, are going to be tough for me and, and have been tough because of that. But, um, uh, you know, it, uh, it just ties back to that belief. Like I was like, I think I can, there's going to be somebody. And if I can't sell this, you know, this, this paper, right, this resume that has this rap sheet or whatever, I'm going to sell myself, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to get somebody to, to believe in me. And so uh, I just happened to be at, um, you know, an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting and uh, saw someone there that said, hey, this place over here, manufacturing uh, auto supplier or was Ford supplier is hiring people 12 hour shifts, you know, making $11 an hour, and they'll give you as much overtime as you want. And I'm like, perfect. Like that's, you know, I, I'm, I'm here. So uh, ended up getting hired uh, through a temp agency, uh, was hired there, uh, started out at the bottom and just over uh, a two year period, I kind of worked my way up and, and, you know, got promoted until the point be, uh, that I became the quality supervisor. And so I was dealing with Ford on a regular basis, uh, you know, when it comes to, to quality issues. And, you know, um, even then, I think it was a slow growth process because in my head, I, I'm like, okay, hey, yeah, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to be a real estate guy. I don't want to be, you know, answering to somebody else's or working on somebody else's agenda. Uh, but I knew that, hey, I, I have to set, you know, uh, the, these are the steps that are necessary for me to, to, to get there. And so, um, yeah, now uh, I think I quit my full-time job there in 2018. It might've been towards the, yeah, towards the end of two. So as far as that kind of those, that leaping point, maybe you could call it that, or maybe you call it a stepping stone in many ways. And I think it's also, I think it's valuable for people to recognize that, Hey, you know what, there's a purpose for every season as well. And that, that season, there was a purpose for you from a investment perspective, from an entrepreneurial perspective to put you in position to be able to go again, to, to leap to that next point. But, um, give us a sense of how did you make, how did you bridge that gap? I mean, how did you get to a point where you were able to leave that job? Um, so it, uh, it, it, well, the first thing that had happened and unfortunately, but, uh, you, my, my mother had passed away and, um, we got a life insurance policy that we split between the siblings and myself. I got $25,000 and then I, uh, reached out to, um, a private, actually one of my biggest private investors now, um, but had, uh, had asked them to borrow the money to put up for the rest of the property. And then for the rehab for this house that, that I had found, um, uh, the first house I had bought was from a, a world war II veteran, 98 year old guy, one of the coolest dudes, you know, I ever met. And, uh, he kind of knew he was kicking me a bone, you know, give me this property cheap to try to get into it. But, um, I was working on that house, uh, you know, on Fridays, Saturdays, Sundays, while I was still working, I'd go, I was doing all the work myself and I, I had no clue what I was doing, man. I've been <laughs> not a construction guy, but uh, man, uh, YouTube, online, Google, man, you can find anything and everything you want, you know, and uh, just educated myself, continued to, to take notes. And uh, I think the first probably 
five properties. It may have been five or six. Um, that's all it was, was me working and doing it on the weekends and fitting it in when I could um, and, and trying to, to grow the, the renovation part of the business, right? Hey guys, just a quick word from our sponsor, then we'll be right back to the show. This episode of Elevate is brought to you by CF Capital, a national real estate investment firm founded by myself and my business partner, Brian Flaherty. CF Capital's mission is to provide property investment and asset management solutions to help investors like you maximize their returns by investing in high value multifamily communities. If you are looking for risk adjusted alternative investments in quality apartment communities, are seeking tax optimized cash flow with appreciation upside without all the hassles of management you might benefit from learning more about investing alongside our team. You're invited to reach out and learn more about how you can invest with us by visiting cfcapllc.com. We're also currently offering a free ebook called The Bottom Line, 10 Ways to Increase Cash Flow in an Apartment Complex. Whether you're a new or experienced investor, we're confident you'll find massive value in this resource. So go get your free copy today at cfcapllc.com. And now please enjoy the rest of the show. Mm-hmm. I call that a whatever it takes mentality, man. Uh, and you know, it's funny, you say it's like, I had no idea what I was doing. I think there's such a pattern there. You see that in in many regards, people who want to get started in real estate or, or any endeavor as an entrepreneur or investor, it's like, well, I just don't know what I'm doing. And so you have to, to, to be able to know you got to go. And uh, I think that that's amazing that you were able to do that. But as you kind of have continued your progression, obviously, you mentioned you exited your, your W2 role in 2018, all the way to now, obviously now 2021, you had, you know, record year over a million dollars in revenue. Um, but as you continue forward, obviously you continue to ramp up and I've, I've seen what you're doing, man. And it's exciting, but give us a sense of what, what your investment focus is now. Obviously you've been doing a lot of fix and flips. I know you do some wholesale. I know you do some mobile home park investing, but give me a sense of what does it look like today? Yeah. So, uh, I'm, I'm trying to, um, you know, step outside of the single family and move to commercial. I think uh, earlier this year, we, we've, so this year we had three mobile home park, uh, mobile home communities under contract. And we ended up backing out just because there's just too, a little bit too much hair, uh, you know, on the deals. Um, you know, it took more CapEx initially than, than we anticipated. Uh, and then, I started realizing like, hey, I've got a, we have a, a, a business that has to continue to, to, you know, produce revenue for us to, to grow. And so I think, you know, I was taking a little bit too much of our, because, you know, it was a teachable lesson for me that our bandwidth is only so much, right? You can say, hey, I want to do all this. And at the beginning of last year, it was very much just, hey, let's throw a dart at the board, you know, and hope that that we can accomplish, you know, these goals. And, and we didn't quite get there, but uh, now we have, you know, tracked everything, right? We, we've got KPIs and, and we have metrics that we follow that have really allowed us, allowed us to set the glide path, you know, for this upcoming year to put tangible, realistic goals in place. And so now, when I say uh, 2023 is going to be the year that we kind of jump full steam into the commercial space as far as picking up mobile home parks and, and storage facilities, um, that's because of these things that, you know, these stones were setting, right. Uh, to, to get us there. So, yeah, it's very methodical. And I, I love just the, you know, the willingness to do whatever it takes to continue to stack, to get to that position. But, you know, looking back over the past few years, maybe it's, maybe it's three, maybe it's four years. I'd just be curious if you were to point to some of the challenges that you faced, uh, in that growth trajectory to get to where you are now. Yeah. So I, uh, 
I started doing a report back in October and I'm doing a report every month for my investors. And um, I, I wrote down some lessons um, that I kind of learned, especially out of this past year. And some of them may seem, you know, silly or, you know, a business one-on-one, but, you know, when you go through the process, it's much more, it's such, for me, at least, it's more of a learning experience than just to, to read it somewhere. But uh, I, one of the things, obviously, is when you're out of cash, you're out of business. You know, cash is king. And, and you know, doing uh, renovations and flips, you get chunks of cash, you know, a lot of times, but you'll have revenue that's pushed out, right? And we even, you know, we're working on 10 properties at a time. And so some, we had, you know, probably four or five that were supposed to finish, you know, in, in June and didn't get, you know, closed on until November. And so, uh, that was something. And then you have, you know, W2 employees that, hey, this is all these outflows are every month. They're coming up every week, you know. And so uh, that was a very teachable lesson for me. Um, one of the things as well is don't create expenses based on future revenue. You don't play catch up. You know, it's, a, it's the worst way to operate. Um, you know, when you do a bad deal, not only do you not make any money, but you siphon off attention from the rest of the business, thereby affecting the good deals. You know, so uh, I, I definitely had the mentality of, of um, you know, if something looked like it was going to make money, I was like, let's get it. You know, I'm, I'm ready, you know, but but I don't think that's always it's, it's better to be a sharpshooter. You know, it's definitely better to, to pick and, and uh, you know, do your full steam due diligence. I think there's only been three deals, right, uh, that we've lost money on. And the most I've ever lost on one deal was eight thousand dollars. But those are all for me, that's tuition, right? You know, that's, that's stuff that I'm like, man, I'll take those experiences. And again, you know, capture that and, and use it for everything else that we step into, because especially this commercial space stuff, like there's, there, there's no space for that, right? There's no space for not being completely buttoned up for, you know, doing things the right way. And, and so that's definitely been uh, teachable for me. And uh, another note I wrote was catching a big wave is not the same as being a good swimmer. And so, you know, yeah. And what, what I mean by that is even now, you know, we, all I've been a part of is, is a seller's market. You know, we've been able to put anything on the market and within three days it's under contract and it's gone. But what are the risks associated when these, uh, with the future, if, if deals are just sitting on, you know, sitting on the market for four, six months, you know? So uh, these are things to always consider, I think, especially as we, as we grow. Uh, and then lastly, you know, most mistakes I've made have been because of wrong assumptions irrational exuberance or inconsistent execution. And so, and, and that for me, man, is just something that, hey, we, we, we've learned these things, let's take them and, and let's not make the same mistakes again. That's so good, man. And, you know, people get caught up in this wave of this market or this market cycle that we've experienced over the past 10 years and just think that, man, they're the best and greatest investor that this world has ever seen. But what I think what you just described to us or showed us is the mindset of, you know what, there's always something to learn. There's a mindset of humility there that shows that, you know what, I'm not the smartest person in the room. In fact, I've got a lot of room for improvement. The other thing that I think you and I share deeply is like, failure is not fatal, but it is feedback. And you got to take that feedback to experience that growth. And so if you've paid that tuition of $8,000, or maybe it, you broke even and you feel like you paid tuition in that standpoint, take it, receive the gift there. And um, that's really, really good, man. That's I, I want to encourage the listener to re-listen to exactly what you just shared there. There's so much depth of wisdom. 
But I wanted to actually go back to KPIs because you mentioned that that's been important for you guys as you track forward. And we're just talking about looking back and, and taking the lessons of failures or, you know, maybe even some challenges that you've faced kind of coming up. But give us a sense of what are the KPIs that you're tracking? Uh, what are some of the more important KPIs that, that you guys look at on a weekly basis? Yeah, so um, we, we have our weekly level 10 meeting. You know, I get that question a lot. Well, who's a level 10 meeting? I'm like, when you know, you know. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> but uh, we, we, we definitely call, uh, track cost per transaction. Uh, we do cost per lead. You know, uh, we've looked at industry standards just to see where we're at and compare those to others. And then now that we're in multiple markets, uh, you know, we, we keep track of our total costs for those markets and then what our revenue is on a weekly basis. And then uh, our deal flow, we look at the number of uh, connections we've made on a weekly basis. You know, we're, we're doing mul multiple cha channels of marketing. Um, and when I say the cost per lead, we've also broken that down by channel, you know, our direct mail costs, our um, uh, texting costs, you know, our cold calling, um, you know, in, in, in each market. And then uh, individual import, uh, performance, you know, that's one of the things for each one of us that just to hold ourselves accountable is how, how well are we producing? Because to me, I love it. Like I kind of, I kind of geek out on that stuff because when you have a spreadsheet with all that information in one place, you know, it's so easy to keep your finger on the pulse of the business and, and to know it's, and, and you can react very quickly. You know, you're not waiting a month uh, or two later, you know, and finding out, Oh wait, we should have been doing this. And so um, yeah, those are some of the things we track. Absolutely. It gives you a pulse on what's actually happening so that you're not behind the eight ball. I think one of the the big mistakes that many investors do and and uh, something I've fell into from time to time is looking at a monthly report and saying, all right, well, here's what happened last month for a particular asset. As an example, it's like, well, that already happened. You know, yeah, we can probably make a change and that might impact next month, but we're already 30 days plus too late. And so I think looking at it on a weekly basis, having a, a continuous pulse of what's happening in your business, not just from an asset level, but from a production level, from an activity level is super valuable. But you mentioned a few things there I wanted to dive a little bit deeper in when I think about uh, your investment focus now and, you know, talking about deal sourcing, um, outreach from different, you know, marketing channels, give us a sense of what deals are you looking at? How many deals are you looking at on a, you know, weekly basis, monthly basis? Um, how are you sourcing them and so forth? So we're doing, uh, we're doing roughly six deals a month. Right now it's about our average. Um, and These are mostly flips, right? Yeah, well, flips, wholesales, and wholesales. Actually, I, I'll I'll uh, I'll give a shout out to wholesales because we've had some really great wholesale deals, and I don't know if anyone's familiar with that. You're gonna but, have to um, educate me on that yeah. one. So all it is is it's uh, it's similar to a wholesale, but we actually purchase the property, close on it, and then we may end up spending some money on cleaning up the property. You know, put a spend one hundred fifty dollars, get a clean crew in there, or whatever it may be, something small. You're most likely uh, on these deals, you're not going to spend more than five thousand bucks normally, I guess. And uh, then you just put it back there, uh, put it back out on the market as a, an investment property. You know, and uh, we've had a couple, we just had last week, we had two of them. We had one that we bought for 62, cleaned it up for $500 and now it's under contract for 140. And so, and then we've got another one that was 73,000 that we didn't do anything to put it on the market. It's under contract for 117. So, you know, it, it goes back to like, just not always 
in my mind, you know, for, or for me and you, we may have this idea of what the perfect investment is, but that's not always the exit strategy for the next guy. And so there's some people that will have a completely different outlook on it and completely different plans. And so uh, I think right now, maybe taking advantage of that seller's market and putting it on the MLS. And uh, that's, that's just seems like what we'll probably end up doing more of because it, it's, you know, it increases those margins, right? Helps it. That makes sense. And instead of just going to an off market buyers list, you're expanding it to the open market. So perhaps that obviously drives up your your top line figure there. Um, from a spread perspective, that makes sense. But when you say six deals a month, when I think about your sourcing your outreach, I mean, how many how many sellers are you touching base with on a monthly basis, whether it's mailers, you say texting, I know you do some cold calling as well. But what does that all look like? So on a weekly basis, we touch, uh, and, and I say touches because that could be a connection through direct mail, could be a, a, just one phone conversation, but we're at about just roughly 7,000, you know, a week. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, we have a, another metric, it's just calls to connect. So how many calls, because we have the auto dialer, you know, how many uh, <clears throat> calls are we making to get a hold of that? one person. And then another metric we have is 27 yes once offers per contract. So that means, hey, 27 people are saying, yeah, I want to sell my property. And then out of those 27, we got one guy, you know, who's, who's going to be a, a, something we lock up. And then of those six deals, I'd say uh, probably three to four of them are, are a wholesale deal. And then the other three are, are usually another exit strategy, whether it be flip, you know, wholesale or buy and hold. So... Got it. Got it. What tools are you most fond of and have been useful for you in those different channels? Yeah. So we've gone from call tools initially for the auto dialer to Zen call, which is now ready mode. They were bought out by ready mode. Um, they have, they, they have good, um, you know, they're, they're a little clunky at times, but you know, you, they have ways to adjust parameters and to really hone in on specifics. Like whereas call tools, they did a lot of stuff in the background you know, uh, Zen call, they can do it, you know, all there in front of you, you can see, Hey, and, and you can quickly react. Um, some of the other things we're doing is, uh, probably like most people we will use stuff like list source or, uh, prop stream to get the leads. Uh, we use, uh, what is it? Batch leads or something, batch leads.com, batch skip tracing.com. I think to, to, uh, to, uh, get those leads skip trace, uh, at about 12 cents, you know, per lead. And then um, we use Postcard Mania. That's a good, another great resource. Uh, I've, I've gone through several direct mail companies and they just seem to have the highest quality, you know, product when it comes and, and they're pretty, uh, you have an account manager who's, who's pretty responsive and, and helpful. Um, and then we use Launch Control uh, for the texting uh, because, you know, the, there's some other ones out there like Lead Sherpa, but I think Launch Control Again, they, they are very good about making those quick adjustments based on different regulations or, you know, uh, phone number monitoring. I think one of the things people uh, tend to forget about is, you know, the quality of those phone numbers you're using, right? You know, you want to, to make sure you're not just showing up as spam every time you call somebody. So, um, I mean, I'm sure like everybody, we you have your, you, we get on people's nerves, but, but we try we try not to pester people, you know, we, 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 uh, you know, set follow-up dates in Podio and, and are just consistent about that. And I think 
because we've done that over the past three years so consistently, it's just compounded, right? We have so many deals in the pipeline now because of everything we've done two or three years ago. Give me a look behind the curtain on uh, what the team looks like. You've got some folks that are doing some marketing for you, some direct outreach, um, obviously from a construction standpoint as well, when you actually do close on the deal. Uh, but give me a sense of what the team looks like. Yeah, so we have uh, three follow-up people, um, you know, who uh, are just the ones who get the leads uh, after they're, they're touched by the virtual assistant. So we have the eight VAs those leads get put into the pool or in, kicked in a podio and then those leads get cultivated and those relationships get built, you know, by the people in house. Right. And those are the people we can coach and train and, you know, be more involved with so that they're, you know, really solving these problems, becoming these people's friends, you know, and then buying their house. Right. Uh, we also have uh, our transaction coordinator who just does a lot of the TC um, with, you know, title companies and, you know, various, whoever we're dealing with at the moment, realtors, agents, you know, inspectors, appraisers, appraisers, stuff like that. Uh, and then we have our disposition manager, Mickey, who uh, does a lot of the project management, works with the contractors. Uh, we use uh, Asana. I love Asana, man. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, Everybody uh, loves Asana who has I Asana. Love Asana. <laughs> but, um, You've been singing the praises of Asana for a long time. Well, I told you, dude, I'm going to get a tattoo, man. <laughs> Such a nerd, man. I uh, know, but we uh, we put our inspection reports in there now. So when we go and look at a property, uh, we have boots on the ground people that those inspection forms are are filled out through a, a, a link online that gets kicked directly to the Asana app. And then we can see, we can include that you know, with the pictures in the drive for any deals, we wholesale deals we send out. So everybody, it's those questions that everybody wants to get answered. Like, hey, is the floor, you know, level? Is there, what's it smell like in the property? You know, stuff like that, you're not gonna. So the goal is to be able to uh, have people uh, get as much information without ever stepping foot, you know, on, on the property. Um, and then, uh, who am I missing? I know we have, so we just got the, so we have just the six in-house right now. And then we have the eight virtual assistants and then we have two remote workers, one of which is just a marketer who's helping with the SEO, uh, putting blogs online, doing some of the online content. Um, and then another uh, remote worker who's a follow-up, part-time follow-up caller. So are you utilizing general contractors for the physical construction stuff or is that, okay. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm not gonna share that information, but. <laughs> <laughs> I've tried to share contractors with investors and it just never works out. But like, as far as like vendors, like, right. Or, or subcontracts, you got plumbers, tilers, those guys, but um, you know, we have, we have three main contractors who uh, each have anywhere from 12 to like 20 guys, you know, and, and they, uh, they, they, we, we pay them a premium, but you know, it's nice because we can, hand them the scope of work, give them all the details and information, and they'll handle, you know, handle it without us dealing with the headaches. But you're identifying the scope of work through isolating variables and checklists for each and every deal to say, all right, well, what, what are the issues? How does the subfloor look? Uh, what's going on with the HVAC? What's going on with plumbing? So it's like you're getting this full due diligence scope back so that you can make the right investment decision. And then from there, you hand it off to your team, they execute, and now you take it to the next step of the process, right? Yeah, yeah. So the systems in place we have now is that um, we have one spreadsheet that has what's called our PREC sheet. It's got the price per square foot. It's got 
everything that you could ever do to a property on it, right? And that's the first initial, you know, uh, uh, basically Jamie's job when he goes in right after he gets the property under contract. We write down everything that kicks out a price for us. And then it also gets transferred to another tab on that spreadsheet, which is the scope of work. We have generic statements on each one of those things. Um, so we'll have something that if it's a roof, we have stuff that we've included in those generic statements based on miscommunications in the past, you know, and we put them in there, you know, and then we'll add to it, you know, if there's a little more detail to that, right? You know, and then uh, once that scope works filled out, we kick that to a virtual assistant who uh, has the spreadsheet with the material list that has all the Sherwin-Williams, Home Depot, all that type of stuff. And then they'll put all that stuff on a list, send it to the pro desk, and then they'll get the material ordered and shipped to the property. So, yeah, we try to get as much control of that because you can keep control of the costs, right? You know, you can, uh, and, and you're not, people aren't marking things up. And then you can, you know, you know, you're not wasting stuff where they're going and buying six bottle, you know, six things of caulk when you only need one. Mm -hmm. so. so once you've structured your deal, you've, you know, created the appropriate assumptions for the deal um, through your, you know, the systems that you just described. Give me a sense of what does it look like from a financing perspective? How are you financing your deals? So, so most of mine is done through uh, a private lender. Uh, I do have a couple of hard money lenders I work with, but uh, I've just been able to build uh, really good relationships with these guys to where they trust me. And it's just a matter of a text at this point, just, Hey, I got, you know, something I'm, I'm taking, you know, taking on. Um, they, uh, at the moment they have about, we have about 2 million, you know, out on these properties. And uh, my goal is, and I keep, you know, you and I have talked about this, just priming them, right? I'm priming these guys. So they know whenever we, talk, we, we step into that commercial space, like, Hey, look, man, you're actually probably going to enjoy this because we're not going to have as many transactions, you know, we're going to just have these one, and then we're going to be very focused on, on that. And so, uh, they're excited about it, man. It's just, again, I don't want to, uh, bite off more than I can chew. And, and, you know, uh, it's, it's that crossroads of comfort, you know, and taking the next step versus, Hey, let's not be put the cart before the horse. So as far as that goes from a breakdown, when you think of financing those deals, you, you mentioned a private lender that you've got a programmatic relationship with, which I think is extremely valuable and it's not necessarily hard money. Um, but give us a sense of, I mean, is it, how does that look? I mean, are you putting equity in the deal plus uh, a little bit of the balance there? What does that look like? So, so that's a, uh, that's a hundred percent financing, 9% no minimum. So it's a, it's a pretty, a pretty solid deal, but um, the hard money guys, you know, they're a little more expensive as some guys that do 10%, maybe with a point or something on the back end, but you have to pay the fees and then the appraisal and all that stuff. And this one I can just kind of, kind of roll with. So I love it. I love it. So one of the things that you've shared with me and that I've recognized in you is that you've just been so consistent. And um, it's just this consistency of execution that I feel like has allowed you to compound and create more opportunities, um, grow your team, you know, grow these systems, these processes, these tools, optimize the way that you're looking at your business. But talk to me about the role that consistent execution has played for you. Yeah, it's, it's, um, man, that's the, wow, there's a great quote on there out there somewhere about, you know, it's the boring, consistent execution uh, that creates those overnight successes, right? That are actually over 10 years, right? 
but uh, and, and more and more I get that you know it's it's especially when I'm looking at the PL at the end of the year and you know uh, I mean I paid myself ten thousand dollars last year I didn't pay myself much at all but but I know it's it's just setting those things um, you know for the future to where hey I will you know here in five uh, five years you know um, really is I'll have the that that freedom and it's not just the financial freedom because even today I feel like I'm financially free like I feel like I can go and make uh you know go buy a drink at a gas station without looking at the price like to me that's freedom <laughs> but 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 uh you know the the real freedom I think is whenever we have the time you know we're going to go take you know three to six month vacations every year and you know work remotely if we need to and and that's what I'm most excited about so so Shane, um, before we wrap into the uh, rapid fire section of the podcast, I wanted to ask you, man, because we've been talking about execution strategy. Obviously, we started with you know where you came from and a little bit of that drive and rationale and thought process behind your metamorphosis and lack of a better description as a human being, as a leader, as an investor, entrepreneur. But give me a sense of what role has mindset played in this path? Uh, you know, it's... It, I think mindset is, is, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's the most important thing because even looking at it as if, you know, somehow I've had luck, you know, some people look at me and say, Oh, you've been lucky. You've just been, you know, in the right spot at the right time and said the right things to the right person. And, you know, uh, whether I can, maybe some people, you know, call it fate and, you know, or God's been involved, but, um, I think even if you, you, cause I've been told no, you know, by the bank several times in different situations and it's that resilience, right. And that resilience comes from your mindset, you know? And so if you just continue to, to uh, the, what you said, failure is not fatal failure is feedback. And so do it a little differently next time. And, uh, and, and, you know, at the end of the day, if you continue and consistently do that, you know, that you're always going to come out on top. So. Yeah. And I feel like it's this, continuous conditioning. And one of the things I think about is like when you get knocked down, like in real estate, like, man, we get knocked down constantly. You get told, no, your project has a problem. Uh, somebody on your team quits or, you know, there's something that happens uh, with the terms that you were presented by your lender or whatever. I mean, there's so many different things that can happen to us and we get knocked down. And so for me, it almost seems like it's this conditioning to um, put ourselves in a position where our default emotional home is, I can overcome this. And mm -hmm. instead of woe is me, I'm a victim. It's like, oh, okay, well, where's the gift in this, right? There's gotta be some good, there's gotta be something good that I'm getting from this. Does that resonate with you? Well, yeah, and that's the that's the gratitude, I think, in all of it. You know, I've, done, I've kept a gratitude journal um, and you just, when you're forced to write down things that you're grateful for, even when you don't feel like being grateful, you know, it's so easy to find that contentment, right? You can be content in whatever circumstances you have going on. And so those are the people, man. Uh, you know, I don't think your success is defined by, you know, how much money you have or how, you know, uh, how many cars you have, how many houses, whatever it may be. I think it's your ability to uh, be gracious and have gratitude and be humble in even the worst, you know, uh, moments possible. 
So. I totally agree, my friend. I totally agree. Well, Shane, I want to transition to the rapid fire section of the podcast. It's called the rare air questionnaire. It's all about being uncommon, man. I think uh, it's uncommon to choose to not be a victim, to choose to be a victor. But I think maybe let's make that more common. And I'd love to inspire more people to do that. So with that said, I want to I want to ask you a few questions. Uh, if you had to point to two or three of the most impactful books that you've read over the past few years, what would those be and why? Uh, I will uh, speak on two of them. Uh, the Compound Effect. Um, if you've read that, it's a small, easy, quick read that just, uh, you know, talks about what you and I were just discussing, just the consistent execution that's going to take you to that next level. Um, and then the insanely or the blueprint for an insanely successful business by Keith Cunningham. And so that's a very um, kind of uh, candid conversation he has in that book with, you know, looking at the things in your business that are going to potentially cause you issues. Like where are your blinders at? You know, what are the questions that you're not asking? What are the assumptions you're making? You know, um, and, and too often, I think, you know, we do that without, you know, sometimes, I mean, you know, you've got to make decisions without having all the, the, the information. But uh, I think uh, he, he talks a lot about having a thinking time, you know, every week set aside a time, you know, a two hour time frame, just sit down and think. And, and I, I do that every Friday and it's, it's definitely helpful. Um, so those two books I would, I would highly, highly recommend. That was a good nugget there on the thinking time. That's one that a lot of us uh, forget to do. Uh, just blowing and going and, you know, productivity and pushing forward. You know, sometimes we got to uh, downshift a little bit and put some time in for thinking. So thank you for that. But we'll put links in the show notes as to where the listeners can find those books uh, if you're interested. So just go check the show notes for that. But Shane, what's the biggest way that you elevate your life on a daily basis? Uh, you, you know, uh, Tony Robbins talks about owning the morning, you know, and, and just, uh, that, that sets up the, you know, the rest of the day, I think you have the most energy when you wake up. And, um, I, I think, you know, even on those days where it is just kind of the grind, you know, whenever you have the clarity on your vision and the consistent execution, which is waking up and, and choosing to have that mindset, you know, you're not, it, it has to be intentional, you know, sometimes it has to be intentional. And uh, I think doing that each and every day, you know, has allowed me to consistently, you know, elevate my life. And I know you can barely kind of see it at the top there on, on this, but on my wall, I have a sign that just says, earn your potential. So, you know, it's just every day, hey, I try to earn my potential. So. That's a great reminder in itself. You got to earn it. And uh, we all have more potential, perhaps, than what we're even aware of or that we've given ourselves a potential to uncover maybe that's a a, a more a, an oxymoron of use of words there but uh right, right, right. man what's the biggest way that you elevate others around you you know just uh doing things like this man sharing my story and being open about it you know some of it's uh as we talked about before is a little uncomfortable for me but uh, i think people can can find what they need to you know in, in those stories and you know i look at at some of my mentors and some of the people who have had the most impact on my life and it had it's been those people that have, have faced adversity and overcome it and you know had a good attitude about it All right so shane my goodness um you have inspired many today you've inspired me for sure and uh, i want to acknowledge you 
you know, you've come from a very challenging set of circumstances to overcome those, but to now put yourself in a position to be an amazing father, an amazing leader for so many people, um, and somebody who's showing many, many other people what is possible in their life if they have this belief that they can, and uh, they have this commitment to consistency and to put themselves in a position to find comfort in being uncomfortable. So, man, I just want to acknowledge you. I'm so thankful to be your friend, uh, to have had the opportunity to coach you and um, to see you know, where you take this, because uh, I know that you're not stopping anytime soon. But Shane, is there any parting thoughts or words of wisdom that you'd like to share with Elevate Nation today? No, I, uh, again, just... Um you know, back at you, man, grateful for the opportunity. And hopefully we've added some value to someone today. And, and you know, uh, if there's anything that I can do to help, whether it's questions, especially with uh, real estate, you know, um, give me a shout, you know. Absolutely. And uh, where can the listeners find you? Where are the best places for the listeners to, to reach out? Uh, so you can uh, reach out. Well, I'll go ahead and I don't know if this is the, the always the best thing to do but i'll give you my cell phone number it's, uh, it's <laughs> good luck man i know 812-704-0005 and i'm sure tyler will capture that somewhere but uh you know feel free to shoot me a text if i don't answer right away uh you know i apologize but i promise i will follow up and uh, again uh you know if there's opportunities you guys have things you want to work with together hey i'm, I'm here let's talk Shane, I think that might be the first time uh, in the two and a half year history of Elevate that anyone shared their phone number on Elevate. So we'll see how that works out for you. And uh, hopefully we keep that phone number for you uh, for many years in the future. But uh, no, that's amazing. And so the listeners have the opportunity of reaching directly out to Shane. And of course, we'll put links in the show notes as to where you can find Shane and his team. Uh, simpleandfastoffer.com as well as on LinkedIn, Shane Adams, RE, same on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, Shane Garza, my friend. Until next time, thanks again for being on the show. No problem, Todd. Thanks. Elevate Nation, what an awesome conversation with the great Shane Garza. Man, what a great guy and somebody that uh, inspires me and you know, his story is just one that shows us, you know what, no matter where we are in our life, um, there are possibilities for us to make a new choice, to make a new decision, to choose a new path, and to think big, and to empower ourselves, empower other people to create systems, to create a strategy, to execute on a strategy, to get better, um, and to create value in real estate. You know, um, real estate is just a vehicle towards creating an outcome that we want in our life. And I know that Shane has utilized it in that way and he's continuing to do so. You know, I can't wait to bring him on again uh, in the future so we can reflect on the growth and the, you know, the contributions that he's made in that future. Um, so I just know that, you know what, he's he's going places and it was cool to be able to bring that story to you. So I want to encourage you to re-listen to the show. What are your top one, two, or three takeaways from the show? Did it have to do with his story, you know, his very challenging background, uh, his triumph over that background, or did it have to do with some of the tools and the strategies and the tactics and the systems and, you know, these amazing things that he's been able to implement in his business, the team structure? What was it that you were shocked about? What were you surprised about? Um, what, what do you want to learn more about? What is it that you want to dive into? And, and you, maybe you have some curiosity to learn more about. What do you want to Google and search more about or ask someone else about? I want to encourage you to have a discussion with someone else 
Um, re-listen to the episode because you're going to learn twice as much when you re-listen to the episode. Um, and of course, having that discourse with someone else allows us to expand our mind. But most importantly, when you think about your distinctions, I want to challenge you to put those in action, put them on your calendar. Um, maybe it's, Hey, I want to dive into this. I want to learn more about this at a point in time in the future. That could be an action step, or maybe it's, I want to implement this tool, or I want to increase my deal outreach per week to this level by this date. I mean, these are just some examples, but I want to encourage you to take massive action. Elevate Nation, thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, we will see you then. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to Elevate. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to elevate your results by taking immediate action on what you learned. For more, visit elevatepod.com.